Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Yo, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, 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 it's me, Chief D.O.G., in the place to be, joined by you. S-Jobs. Ain't, Ain't no party. party like S-Jobs party. <laughs> yes, I got it right, right? You did get it right, yes, you did get it right. Sweet. Hello, Chief. How you doing? Dude, fine. Yeah, great. Good, good. What other adjectives could I think of? Um, <laughs> yeah, man, it, it's, all, it's all sweet, man. It's really it's fine. We're seeing, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. My remote area of Townsville hasn't recorded a, another case of COVID-19. So while Good. this serves as very little uh, silver lining to the more like densely populated areas that are still very much in the thick of the fight, this is this is this is how this saga ends. You know, this is a yes. little glimpse into Good. the future, and the future is Good. bright. Excellent. How Good about stuff. you, my chief? Um, I am into. I've just apologies now if the podcast goes wayward. I've just poured myself my fourth white russian which <laughs> for those that don't know that is uh, one part kalua one part vodka one part milk but because i don't drink milk that is soy milk so i'm gonna have a little slurp on that now mm, take the edge off is it still seven degrees in the loft uh, let's have a look let me check my apple watch <laughs> and it says 13 degrees oh so things are i am wearing up. I am wearing a dressing gown, but it might not be necessary for the whole pod. But one of the reasons why I'm on my fourth white Russian, and I'm not going to dwell on this at all because I don't want it to become the chief sob story every week, but I think I just found out I got made redundant earlier today Mm. from my job. So we had, uh, and again, I'm not going to keep it very brief, 9.30am email comes through saying we've got a town hall meeting at 2, everyone from the technology team please attend. 125 people in that team in the office I work in, obviously remotely at the moment, but we're located in in an office in East London physically when we're allowed to be there. Uh, Of those 125 people, that is going down to 39 people. People are either, their jobs no longer exist in the new world, we got taken over a while back, uh, or their jobs being moved to foreign shores, cheaper labour, I guess. And unfortunately... I got in a pool of people where the job no longer exists. There were of those people, some were able to compete for their job, some were safe, and some were in the unfortunately the out on your ass pool, as I like to call oh, it. And geez, I was in that dude. one. Dude, it's like so, pop idols. Yeah. So unfortunately, it's my like job no longer cut. exists. The the kind of good news, COVID has kind of come to our aid in that we would have been out by June, but because of COVID, they're extending it to September. So I'm safe until September. And even then, if I can justify why I'm needed longer, the exit timeline is starting in September. The last people from those that are going, the 86 that are going, the last will be in April next year. So if I can convince people that I'm needed until April next year, I'll be safe until then. So look, it's not as bad as a lot of people have been made redundant. Hope You know, it's... 
probably everyone listening to this podcast now will know someone who's been made redundant. Hopefully, they themselves are not been made redundant. But if you have been, my heart goes out to you. But I'm I'm in a lot better position than some, so I'm grateful for that. In that it's coming later, September at the earliest. So I've got a bit of breathing room. But yeah, a bit sobering, you know, to know that you potentially have no work. And I started thinking about you, S Jobs, because you're potentially out of work as well are you uh, what how how is that okay <laughs> or that's, not? that's putting it mildly uh chief my industry is completely decimated man yeah. i will never work as a jobbing actor uh definitely not for the rest of the year uh probably for the rest of my life uh <laughs> the way things are going um yeah. right now i mean i had covid19 not become a global pandemic i would currently be in macau Living it yes. up, man. I know yeah. you're a you're a sports betting man, but are you playing? Do you play the tables? Um, yeah, I, I've been known to uh, visit the odd casino or two. Well, buddy, imagine going to play a little bit of blackjack in a casino in Macau. I was watching <laughs> Skyfall the other night, and if it's anything like that film, it's amazing. Anyways, yes. uh, spilt milk or spilt white Russian or spilt soy milk. Uh, no, no point <laughs> in crying over that. That's it. Um, That's it. I, I mean, you and I are fortunate in that at least one member of our marriage uh, it, it will never not be an essential service so like they at least it. have job security me it's a brave new world man i better find something else to do yeah so listen we're gonna oh, just quick quick drop here we're gonna start patronizing this talking joe show so we can get some <laughs> funds rolling in yeah baby <laughs> it's gonna happen who doesn't want a talking joe t-shirt come on everyone wants one of them <laughs> And a mug. <laughs> and a mug. And we got Commonwealth colloquialism slogans. We got them all, man. We got comic talk. We got uh, toy talk. We can do everything. We got snack snack police. We can do it all, man. Yeah, start peddling um, our ways. Listen, I'm a realist, so you know what was going to happen was going to happen. So this was a company move. It wasn't because of COVID. It was a, yeah. a restructuring. And a lot of people I know have already started getting bitter and you know, mad, but that's not my bag. You know, what, what happens, happens. Let's just, you know, not burn any bridges and keep it civil. So anyway, um, let's move on from that. I don't want to dwell on it. And we've dwelled on it long enough. What I do want to talk to you briefly about is, and I say this briefly because I had to talk to you offline about trying to streamline the show and already I'm, I'm eking it out and making it go longer, but Hey, it's organic. <laughs> we do what we want here. We've got no bosses. Snip, snip, um, snip. <laughs> I have don't final snip. cut, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, I've been playing Resident Evil 1. You mm. played it, completed it. I thought I was done. I haven't played it in a long while. I got through the mansion and I completely forgot about that whole courtyard segment. And I did the spiders. I went down to the aqua ring, killed the sharks. And now I'm at the bit with Plant 42. And i got to mix some crazy jolt, some JV Vault thing to uh, kill this plant so my question to you is am i nearing the end mm, i'd say you're just past halfway holy ball bags you sure <laughs> yeah buddy okay okay i only have the pistola and the shotgun i don't have any grenade launcher yet or any of these acid rounds or anything like that Oof. well i'm not so sure about the remake and where you'd find that and also i didn't play jill recently but okay. uh, I, I'm pretty sure the grenade launcher is in the guardhouse. Okay. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm playing the GameCube version. So, yeah. although I'd, you say remake, but I think this is almost a shot-for-shot version of the PlayStation version. 
I think. Okay. I don't I don't think there's any I don't think there's any changes. I could be wrong to the PlayStation version. I think it's just graphical changes. But I'm playing as Chris with the six oh, right. slots, which is proving to be a bit tricky. If it is a shot-for-shot remake of uh, the classic, then Chris, I don't think, gets the grenade launcher. He gets oh, okay. the magnum. Yeah, man. Well, I found, yes, in the graveyard, I found... Uh, I think that's where you pick up the magnum. The, the And then I've also found some, which I haven't got yet, but I found some magnum rounds in the aqua ring, but I don't have the gun yet. So, right, okay, that makes sense that he gets mm. that instead. But yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. Now, although I did find that, that all that mansion stuff was loving, but now I'm out in the courtyard, it's a lot of kind of going here, coming back, and how much do you save? Because I didn't want to use any online guides or anything. I wanted to do it myself. I have played nice. this game a couple of times previously, but not for 10, 15 years maybe. But I wanted to do it myself, well, maybe 10 years. I wanted to do it myself, but I did look up what happens about the endings and I, I did read that there was four different endings per character depending on whether you save any of the other stars members now I let Richard die who got bitten by the snake because I didn't get back the serum to him fast enough so that's kind of channeled out one ending for me and yeah so I don't know I haven't looked at videos of what the endings are but I know that one of the stars members I didn't save but uh, yeah, I'm interested to to get to the end without any guides. Yeah, man, I, I I wish almost that we didn't know that there were like better endings and 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 not so good endings because it kind of does color the way you play as a result. Like you yeah. feel kind of a little bit downbeat now that you didn't save Richard, so that you know takes away one potential good ending. Yeah, better to go through these things with blinkers on, I think. Yeah, so. I think you're right. I think you're right. I have found the courtyard section outside has been a lot slower and a bit more boring, if I can say that, because I don't know. It feels like I'm running somewhere to get something, running back to put it somewhere, which was happening in the mansion, but it felt tighter and more enclosed, so it didn't feel I was having to traipse around as long. And also, I only have one ink ribbon left, so it's Oof. like I played for 45 minutes... And I'm like, shit, what do I do? Do I save now? Because if I turn that corner and die, then I'm going to be a bit pissed off that I've got to do all that section again. So that's where the actual horror for me comes in, is the fact <laughs> that having to replay that whole section again, if I the die... The anxiety is real, it is man. Real anxiety from, from like, shit, I don't want to... I've done a lot of gaming here, and I haven't saved in a long time... What do I do? That's the real horror. Whereas when I played the demo <laughs> Resident Evil 7, that was visceral, real horror in my brain horror that I couldn't handle. Yeah. It was too scary. So, Jeez. yeah. I'm going to try and complete that in the next couple of days. Uh, tune in next week, as I hope you all do, to hear my concluding uh, thoughts on the first Resident Evil game. Chief. Yes. I'm proper hungry, buddy. Yeah, you know it. Well, this is an interesting segment. Let's go to it now. It's the Snack Police. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy. Washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy. Chewy sweets, cookies, built on jerky. Snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers. Attackers. Bad mother truckers and we're eating all the crackers. Munchers. Crunchers. Knockout snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. The 
Snacker Lisa in there. Here's Al. I say this is interesting because for me, this is way past my eating hour. It's 9.19pm. I like to stop eating at 4pm every day if I can. And for you, this is like 6, 6 now 6.20am. So we're at completely opposite ends. So for you, it's pre-breakfast. For me, it's way too late. What you Can got? we just have a word with someone about maybe changing times of the world? <laughs> let's just uh, bring it down into one time zone. How about that? Regardless yeah, of what the sun is doing, let's all just live <laughs> at the same hour. Uh, I have uh, finally delved into some authentic Aussie. Uh, yes. With, uh, these are called bagel crisps, whatever. But the flavor is Vegemite. Uh, <laughs> are okay. you familiar with this product? Uh, I am familiar with it on the basis that my auntie, Auntie Jenny, who is uh, Australian, she was born in the UK but moved there when she was very young, I think about 16, maybe, no, maybe a bit older than that, 18, something like that, and she's lived out there her whole life. And she, when she visited, she would bring Vegemite over with her. So, yes, I am familiar with it. And was that greeted with uh, shrieks of delight or, or pain? <laughs> uh, I think I liked it but you might need to explain to me a a bit more whether it is is it kind of like marmite if you ever had marmite in the uk yeah just not it's not a meat product so hey it would pass muster in the chief household i guess yeah and marmite glass yeah marmite's not meat so that's yeast extract oh oh my goodness what do i know uh bovril bovril's meat right yeah there you go bovril that's the one bovril is beef extract yeah Clearly, I don't touch the stuff. So, okay. I mean, this this is a bit of a cheat. It's, there's no actual sort of uh, slimy Vegemite on any of this product. It's Vegemite flavored. So, uh, it, it's more palatable for me. These look more like just pieces of dry bread. Anyway, let's stop talking okay. about it. And let's start eating about it. Jeez, yeah, the baby. is impenetrable. Oh, my <laughs> God. I think I need a knife or something, G. Shit. <laughs> I've got nothing to hand. I've just got a sharpened pen. Let me... Oh shit! Seriously, you can't get into it. Stab this bastard! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, it's got a little perforation at the top saying "tear here." Well, that'll learn you, Stephen. Trying to tear it before you can even eat it. Okay, it. they're little. They're, they're sort of slivers of a bagel. Uh, interesting. It's like a bagel, okay. basically cut into chip-sized um, partitions. Anyway, yep. it's going in my mouth. Jeez. Wow, that's a crunch. Good crunch on that. But it is bricky. That that stuff is hard. Okay. Um, the Vegemite isn't as strong as I expected. But then again, as I said last week, my sense of taste is not the strongest. Mm. Yeah, these are awful. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Well, they're just... It's like stale bread, man. But like beyond stale. Rock Bad hard. times. You sent me a picture. The pack looked big, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be enjoying these for a while. 150 grams net. Yeah, wow. Are you the kind of guy who, once you've opened a snack or you've started a meal, you have to finish it, or are you happy to leave it or chuck it away? Um, never going to chuck it away. Uh, no, I'm happy to to seal this up and 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 punish myself later. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're hungry and, and there's just nothing else around, I, I guess it's palatable enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. <laughs> what you got, Chief? I've just sent you a pic. I have got a 
Naked, and that is N-A-K-D. They've thought they've been trendy by leaving letters out. Naked Strawberry Sunday is a raw fruit and nut bar. Gluten, wheat, hmm. and dairy-free. That's got the little line above the A. What does that mean? Yeah, don't know. It's not like an umlaut, is it? That's something different. So but I see look... in the shot, you've also got your white Russian, mate. There you nice. go, baby. Can't go wrong. Okay. That is, um... Wow. That is Sunday. That is, um, strawberry Sunday-ish. Definitely. Hmm. Good. That's actually Win- good. Ah, oh, winning. Fantastic. Dates, raisins... Cashews, almonds, strawberries, a hint of natural flavours, that's it. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that at 9.20pm. <laughs> right, I'm going to put that down. I'm going to pick up my comic book, because right now, it's comic talk. It's comic talk, it's comic talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junkyard box, talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. We're covering issues 179 and 180. So covers, I have the cover A by S.L. Gallant and Gary Erskine. I actually own this piece of original art. Awesome. Yeah, we'll post that up. This is um, me and the Seddon boys bought loads. We posted it up on the Facebooks before. We bought loads of art off of Gary Erskine, the Inca, at some comic conventions. So all the black line pencils went to Gary Erskine, the Inca. He scans them in as blue lines, so then he inks over the top because blue is a colour when it gets scanned that doesn't show through. So that mm. way he can ink over the top of it. If there's any blue showing when he sends it onto the colourist, that blue doesn't show through, which is why you see a lot of blue line art. But yeah, I've got the cover here, and it's Cobra Commander in his battle armor with the fist clenched coming towards you. The faceplate has been broken open, and the reflection in the one side is of BN001. Excellent. So Great cool. cover. Love the uh, the glowing blue effects. You know, it's powered armor, so it's kind of got this radiating power in those panels. Very cool. Yeah, definitely. And cover B is uh, Herb Trimpe. Uh, again, I've got the insert here, so I can't really see it that clearly and it's the retailer incentive is the larry harm originals but it looks like some sort of throwdown going on yeah all four of the major players uh trying to take on bn001 or general grievous as we've come to know him <laughs> the only difference between uh, larry's pencils and herbs finishes um snake eyes's sword has been chopped in half basically and uh in the trimpy art Whereas in Larry's, it extends into the G.I. Joe banner. On yeah, Trimpe, he's, he's had to kind of make a compromise, which is unfortunate. But for the rest of it, it's it's good. It's clean. Tells the yep. story. Not as effectively as, as Gallant's, though. Yeah, Gallant's is, is, the, is the, the primo choice here. Uh, moving on to the next issue, we're covering 180. I've got the cover A, which is the Herb Trimpe, colours by Farido Jr. And this is Snake Eyes, Stalker, and flanked by Stalker and Scarlet. And they've got their... San Diego Comic-Con badges on because they're going to the comic convention. Is stalker-coloured Caucasian? I don't think so, no. Oh, okay. He appears very, very fair-skinned. Yeah, I think he's lighter than he should be, but I, yeah, I, I guess I'm looking at it now again. Is it the same skin tone that's been used on Scarlet? I think it... I don't know. 
The other thing that tips me off is he's got a black beret and black sweater, I assume. I mean, it could be a light gray as well. And that just says to me, maybe, maybe they thought this was dial tone. Okay, interesting. The colorist was slightly confused as to who this interesting. was. Interesting. Yep. Hmm. Yep. The cover B is by S.L. Gallant and Gary Erskine. And this is uh, Scarlet with a couple of fanboys at the convention getting a picture taken. And then... Not loving the... it. Sorry, not loving it. No, she is not <laughs> loving it. But do you notice the, the picture's being taken, like, basically of her chest? Yes, yeah. Creepy. Yeah, these creepy fanboys. And then you've got the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive cover, which replaces the black-clad commando snake eyes with a long-range recon patrol snake eyes. Very nice. I suppose that's snake eyes cosplaying himself. Yes. <laughs> with no, no scoring. Oh, it's, uh, just another observation on the um, the Gallant's cover. The picture taker has a Cobra signet ring. Ah, yeah, nice. Yeah. You spot the little... small details. That's why you're on the show. Little Easter egg. Hmm. Yeah. Does nice. it factor into the story? We'll find out. We will find out. Right now, it's time for a recap, Chief. You got it. Last time on GI Joe, a real American hero. The assault on Broca Beach has begun. The Blue Ninjas have infiltrated Cobra disguised as Crimson Guardsmen, and Cobra Commander has begun preparations for the oncoming assault. But it's already too late. The Blue Ninjas are everywhere in Broca Beach, and their leader, BN001, is ready to lead the assault. Meanwhile, Baroness and Snake Eyes fight back, while Dr. Mindbender activates Cobra's battle android troopers and has them rush into the fray. Chasing after BN001, they manage to neutralize his vehicle, which crashes into the Broca Beach Wax Museum. Now, BN001 emerges into a spidery battle pod, and Cobra Commander prepares for the final showdown. Flawless. Absolutely flawless. Hey, four, <laughs> four white Russians in as well, baby. Nice, brother. You're unstoppable. <laughs> well lubed. Um, I've got an alternate title for this issue, and it's musical... Splash! Ah! <laughs> Pretty much every single alternate page yeah. is a splash page. Yeah, hey. I, didn't, I didn't actually pick that up till about five or six pages in. And I was like, wait a minute, there's a trend going on here. And I looked back and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, it passed me by. But yeah, it is, definitely. It's a comic book full of mini posters, man. Yeah, it's the right-hand page is always a big, a single-page splash. It's, it's fantastic storytelling here. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm also a fan. So what we've got here is a real fast-paced issue, 179 definitely, with balls-to-the-wall action uh, involving Cobra Commander versus BN001, Snake Eyes Baroness. Uh, it, it's pretty much all going down. Battle Android Troopers, you know, they're just chucking everything at the page here. Perhaps a side effect to having so many splash pages is it does quicken your reading pace. Yes, I think so. So you move through it quicker. Uh, I really like this... On the very first page, we get BN001 staring down Cobra Commander, and he says something. And as I was reading Cobra Commander's dialogue, for me, it had a real Megatron vibe to it. it you know, I'll rip out your optics circuits, or whatever Megatron says. Uh, <laughs> Cobra Commander says, I'm going to deconstruct his sub-assembly and rip his CPU out through his intake ducts. Nice. It just felt very Megatron. Yeah, he's good with this techno babble under pressure, I must say. Because, I mean, yeah, he what's is. he essentially saying? I want to rip your balls off and tear your brain out through your nostril. That's Something it, like that. that's it. Something like but that. But again, we, we, get, we, we get kind of a, 
a lopsided up and down here and there cobra commander he he kind of emits all the emotions he's he's a tough badass with verbal banter with bn001 then later in the next issue i think it is he basically murders a couple of guys in the boot of his truck in the you know the boot i should say trunk for americans of his car and you know gone is this kind of parody comedy guy it's all action here yeah 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 i guess that's just part of the makeup of cobra commander these days he plays all these notes and within the same issue even yeah yeah i was going to try and read out some of his dialogue on page two but i think the four white russians would kill me if i if i tried to do this but i really love this exchange between him and bn001 i don't know if you've got it to hand and you want to try reading some of this out look mate it's evident (laughs) that they're both classical scholars of english lit i mean (laughs) Cobra Commander's throwing Shakespeare into the mix and BN001 counters... No, it's the other way around. BN001 throws Shakespeare into the mix and Cobra Commander says he prefers Milton to the Bard and then throws in a bit of Paradise Lost. I mean, it's 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 pretty intense, the sort of <laughs> intellectual banter before they start actually firing rounds at each other. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed yeah, that. Man. I actually was in a production of Macbeth once upon a time in my previous okay. career. Okay. Mm-hmm. Previous career already? Is that what you're slating it as? Yeah, I played Macduff. So yeah, you know, nice. I was toe to toe with old Maccas when he says, <laughs> "Then lay on Macduff and downed be him that first cries yield enough." <laughs> uh, love it, love it. Fun. Yeah, this is good stuff. Um, I was concerned that BN zero zero one was portrayed as being too powerful because at one point. Later on, Baroness launches a, a rocket launcher at him and they're kind of spraying him with all kinds of ordnance and he keeps getting back up. Eventually, they sever his arms and they take him down. But at one point in the story, I was like, have they made this guy too powerful? Was there any, ever any thoughts from you about that? Oh, it's classic um, boss battle tropes, man. You just got to keep like cutting down the various permutations and defense systems. No, yeah. I, I always thought that... Uh, you know, he was adequately powered to be the kind of a, you know, the the single boss that's standing off against all the, the major players. Yeah. No, yeah, and it had a nice escalation. It seemed like he was cocky until until the ultimate sacrifice comes at the end. Yeah. Lovely, lovely mm-hmm. splash page, page five, snake eyes taking off the head of one of the blue ninjas. That's another <laughs> that's another page that I actually own. I shared that with you and I'll put it up on the socials. It's a great page. Schnickety schnick! That uh, blue ninja <laughs> deploys some like Wolverine claws. Is this perhaps a statement uh, Larry Homer's making uh, about his his previous uh, yeah. career on uh, Wolverine for Marvel? Yeah, he wrote he wrote that it was a long run he had on that I think as well. Yeah, so famous I think one too. Fifty plus issues probably easily, if not if not more. Excellent. Yeah. Um, the splash page previous has Snake Eyes uh, brandishing his Uzi. And it makes me wonder where he got that Uzi from, because if these events are continuous, and I've been sitting on this for a while for such an occasion, his Uzi was decimated by uh, Dr. Chen when him and Storm Shadow confronted her some issues back. I'll tell you what, you're a master of the detail. Uh, Look, it's it's a total nitpick, but I don't think I could contain it any longer, so I'm going <laughs> to put it on record that Run I see that. I see that. <laughs> it's not like Baroness had an Uzi packed in her kind of weapons cachet. Yeah, so, yeah, So, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But look, these, these details should never be sweated, but, uh, you know, I just want to sound like no. a smart ass, I guess. Good catch. Good catch. I like it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm just flicking through this issue and, you know, it is... The colourist has done a great job. I'm just going to look back to see who's on colours here. So we've obviously got Larry Harmer scripting, S.L. Gallant on pencils, Gary Erskine on inks, and we've got uh, Jay Brown, yeah. Jay Brown's on colours, and I think he does a fantastic job here. really elevates the art. The art is a huge high point. They really were building up to this, and they clearly took their time with it because... You know, along with every other page being a splash page and and a very, very worthy artwork in and of itself. Like, all the sequential stuff is also tight. The details are great. I mean, there's just nothing dropping the ball. Not once. It's all very, 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 very good. (laughs) Unassailable. Yeah, Yeah, Mm. and that splash page when all the BATs are coming out as well. You know, he's drawn... Yeah, I don't want to count them, but he's drawn 20, 30-plus BATs there with Moskvina and Storm Shadow kind of confronting them, and they all go round them because their primary um, mission is to actually go and defend Cobra Commander rather than sure, attack man. anyone else. I'm no artist, but I've spoken to enough to know that it's their worst nightmare to have to draw multiple characters. Right. Which is why I think superhero books typically are, are more favorable because you're basically drawing one hero, one villain. But these kind of massive troop pages, um, you know, that's that's a headache, man, to get the details right on multiple characters in one yeah. page. Yeah. Hardcore. Lots of time and lots of efforts. But those bats yeah. look gorgeous. And they're the colors great. are dead on as well. Yeah, they're fantastic. Uh, one thing that I wasn't sure about at the time was when... Cobra Commander jumps in the way to save Snake Eyes from some ordinance that BN001 has launched at him. Now, obviously we've seen Snake Eyes and Cobra Commander at each other's throats previously and the kind of hatred from Cobra Commander towards Snake Eyes and the whole Arashikage clan and the family and all that kind of stuff. So for him to jump in front at this moment in time and almost save Snake Eyes felt a little bit faux in a way... And then uh, no, he says, uh, stand back, I'll deal with this. Or rather, my reactive armour will. And he's got some crazy <laughs> ability of his armour to almost reflect every weapon back at the attacker. Yeah, man. Cobra Commander's got mad faith in his technology. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. could have just sat that one out yes. and uh, have have a couple of his sworn enemies vaporised, essentially. Yes. <laughs> But uh, he does this incredible sacrifice play. Yeah. I don't know. It seems out of character. But right now, I, I am ha- I'm having trouble predicting whatever Cobra Commander is going to do. And maybe that's for the best. He's yeah, completely maybe unhinged. Because we do see later that he actually takes them, you know, hostage. He there's a there's a big standoff right at the very end of the issue. It's a lovely splash page, and you've got the Joes have popped in. By the way, we we neglected that bit. Stalker, Scarlet, and Duke have had. A minimal amount of page time here, but they they were on the boat and they've finally crashed the party, albeit too late, because they've come at the end when the, the head of the Blue Ninja's dead and the rest of the forces seem to have been discouraged. And then Cobra Commander says, and now I am proceeding to the next set of priorities. Vipers, disarm them and take them prisoner. And he's kind of directing that towards Snake Eye, Storm Shadow and Baroness, maybe as well as Duke, Stalker and Scarlet as well. I don't know. Yeah, 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 totally. He's got some... Some very high-value targets. All his prisoner at that point, I guess. Yeah. So maybe he was not sacrificing himself because he knew the armor would save him, but maybe he didn't Oof. want Snake Eyes dead because he wanted to interrogate him or take him as a hostage, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, they've tried to get information out of Snake Eyes uh, before and, and failed. I don't know what they're <laughs> going to try this time around, but uh, whatever. Like, <laughs> there's no point in pointing to how contrived the story is at this point. It just it just keeps getting more and more convoluted. Yeah. But my favorite panel happens on that page just before he does the sacrifice play or the faux sacrifice play. And yep. that's when Moskvina makes her sacrifice play. Right, it okay. It is stunning. Yes. Just the brilliance of the the explosion as she kind of detonates herself to just even the scores and hopefully take BN001 with her. Yeah. Uh, she's like fragmenting into pieces and so yeah. is part of BN001. And throughout it all, it made me wonder how necessary the thwam is. Like, what's your stance on the onomatopoeia, the, you know, the, the explosion text? Um, that one, yeah, the thwam is hurts probably it, not necessary, I don't think. Yeah, but then it started making me wonder if sound effects are ever necessary. It's yeah, bit, now, it's well, now you've got school. me, again, that's why I love S-Jub 7 on the show, because he gets me thinking, gets the chief doggy dog thinking, because now I'm looking at other sound effects on this page and the next splash page, and I'm thinking, when I read those originally... They just kind of passed me by and I didn't really take them in. But now I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, what do they actually add to the page? Well, I'll tell you what they add to the page, Chief. They add a visual interruption to the arts. And it's done in this kind of like color, but then it's ombre to like pale. So it's purple and it goes to like a paler purple or eventually I guess it was going to ombre to white. But I'm like, that's going to date this book very quickly. That whole style of sound effect and the way it's colored, even the font, I'm like, don't need it, man. Lose it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm necessarily against sound effects, but maybe these ones was was uh, not the best choice of font, like you say, or coloring. Yeah. Oh well, you know it's easy enough to ignore it, and 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 we both can sort of disengage our brains and just enjoy the art around it. But I'm like, I almost feel like the comic book reading could be improved by taking it out. Yeah. I think yeah. we all get the convention of sound effects that we don't need them spelt out for our reading pleasure or displeasure. Anyways, yeah, another sure. observation that I want to make before we move on is yes, it seems we get a tiebreaker on. The question I posed last week about whether the the Blue Ninjas um, have a kind of a hive mind, and yes. it seems that that they do. Uh, BN001, before, before getting gunned down finally by Cobra Commander, is saying that, yeah, I'll just upload myself and, and we're like cockroaches and, you know, you'll never yeah. defeat us because we can just keep reproducing indefinitely. Yeah, so how do you defeat that enemy? You gotta go off the grid, baby. That's it, my man. Wipe out the network. <laughs> Skynet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quality. I mean, like you said, you know, you never really know where this is going now. Larry's taking maybe a few chances and a few left turns here and there. So I don't think it is to everyone's cup of tea, this Blue Ninja thing. I know it definitely wasn't mine the first time around I read it. But I'm enjoying it more now, just for the pure balls out the bathtub storytelling elements. But, um, <laughs> Love it. 
but Chief, yeah. I felt a genuine satisfaction when they were all trouncing BN001. I think it's a mixture of like, yes, I want that righteous revenge. And for a lot of these characters, it, it relates back to Billy. So it's nice to give him that kind of respect, you know, that his character is, is having respects paid to it, you know, in memoriam, as it were. Like, they're all... They're all doing this for Billy at the end of the day. This is this is this is personal, but maybe it's also a mix of like me just being satisfied that this symbol of something that I'm not entirely a fan of in modern GI Joe comic books yep. just being d- destroyed completely, yes. dismembered, yeah. exploded, gunned down at short <laughs> range, like kill yeah. it, stomp that cockroach. Makes sense. Makes sense. Baroness was a grown woman when she first encountered a child, Billy. Let that sink in for a little while. <laughs> There's some kinky shit going on there, buddy. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Well, you know, it takes all sorts. But um, mm-hmm. the, what, what what we get in the next issue is we've, we're very used to Larry Harmer wrapping up a story on the last page. What we get in the next one is he kind of wraps up the previous issue in the first four pages and then we get something completely different then it just <laughs> bypasses into no blue ninjas just san diego comic-con story as if the blue ninjas weren't even issue so just to kind of wrap up the whole thing the guys are left standing around some crimson guardsmen de helmet themselves and are revealed to be blue ninjas and they've all got uh, dirty bombs attached to them and they get taken out and the reason they get taken out is because my man's back on the scene. It's Destro. Oh, damn. About time he got off the sidelines. And not a moment too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to get vaporized. Nope, Destro steps on the scene and takes care of it. Yeah. With some revolutionary kind of untested kit he's got as well, which is good. He didn't even know it was going to work. That's it. To his, <laughs> he, he admits that, like... Like he didn't know that the dirty bombs that the the blue ninjas possessed, um, their trigger triggering mechanism was purely electrical and not mechanical and electrical. Because yeah. if it was the latter, <laughs> like even a EMP bomb wouldn't have interrupted. You know, it would have gone off regardless. So that would have vaporized Duke, Scarlet, Stalker, <laughs> Snake Eyes, Cobra Commander, Storm Shadow, Destro. All the major players. Yes. Bam. And, one and then you have a you have a completely new book on your hands after that. Hey, Hammer. Yeah. He gets he keeps us guessing, man. Like that's it. <laughs> it's a thrill ride. Yeah, and I, I love the bit of where Destro's kind of escorting Baroness off. He just basically wanted to come back and get the Baroness out of harm's way, and so then he's like, "Our transport wait. Let's get out of here." And he's also providing safe. Conduct for the Joes to the town limits. This is non-negotiable. And in the background, on the far right of the panel, you just see Cobra Commander throwing a hissy fit. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Panto. That's it. That's it. And he's whispered something into Duke's ear. Sweet nothings. Oof, Duke did not like the sound of that. No, except it's not sweet nothings. Some kind of kind of Krypton bomber, whatever that might be, which we find out later. Big time, MacGuffin. I think uh, Harmer poached that from from Tom Clancy, if I'm not mistaken. Some of all fears. Oh, really? Yeah. The, the Crichton. Yeah. Oh, what did I say? Krypton. Krypton. Yeah. <laughs> I said Krypton. I think. Well, the Crichton is a misnomer anyway. It should be called a. Oh, jeez, where did I jot this down? I was expecting um, Superman to turn up. Jesus. A Crytron. 
right. is a real thing. It's a cold cathode gas-filled tube, which is used as a very high-speed switch, okay. for um, oftentimes used for nuclear devices. Anyways, whatever. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I want to jump forward here to my favourite bit in this issue. We're in Broca Beach. Cobra Commander's trying to sell the town to a couple of dudes... Uh, so you get the beach, the boardwalk, the concessions, the whole town in one neat package. And um, one of the guys says, and you've got a container ship stuck in your boardwalk. Ain't that expensive <laughs> to remove? And Cobra Commander says, you can get a lot for scrap metal these days because in the previous issue, the Joes had crashed this container ship into the beach. It's just the fact that the guy said, hey, man, you got a container ship in your beach. <laughs> yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah man next then, page yeah yeah go on seems like a colorist issue uh error at the top of the page looks like okay. uh, snake eyes yes can you see it he's walking over to the limo top panel and yeah. he's colored black yeah and it looks right. like he's wearing a visor hmm. same crew from the last issue though it's galant erskine and jay brown so yeah was a bit of miscommunication there i think oh ah, well Forgivable. Yes, yes. Cobra Commander's like just catching the shade, so the That's blue it. washed out to black. Yep, yep. Yeah, there you go. No prize on the way. <laughs> He's also got a crooked state senator and a local crime boss trapped in his car, which he just guns down to death, as you do. Were they actually in the boot? We don't see the bodies, man. I'm thinking this is theatre. He's. Right, uh, okay. I mean, it, it could be a, a, a setup, it could just be a speaker. Yes. Uh, pretending to be their voices. I don't... Is that a Commonwealth colloquialism, boot? You're familiar uh, with the term boot? Yeah, we call it a boot. We call it a boot, okay. Yeah. Trunk for you US people. Indeed, weirdos. Okay. <laughs> I could have saved that one for the segment instead of the crap that I'm actually going to use. Anyway. Oh, Chiefy, that'll learn you. <laughs> so the Joes have basically been told there is this bomb going to be let off in the San Diego Comic Convention. So Stalker, Scarlet and Snake Eyes fresh off of the dealing with Blue Ninjas, are now on a completely new mission. They've got uh, exhibitor passes to get them in because they weren't able to buy regular tickets which have sold out. And now they're in the convention. And there's a lovely page here. I want to put this one out to the listeners. There's a splash page. This is a page I own as well of the convention floor where they're walking around. And I'm sure there are loads of Easter eggs in this scene. And... Off the top of my head, I can only see one. There's a there's a poster for Daloon, which I'm guessing is <laughs> The Goon, which is a, an right. amazing book by Eric Powell. Ha, huh, thank you. No, I was wondering what that was about. Which is definitely worth seeking out. It's a fantastic book. But other than that, I'm sure there are others, but let's put it out to the listeners to send us your suggestions of what the other Easter eggs are. But um, I've also seen another one over on the left-hand side, now signing S.L. Gallant. <laughs> nice cheap yeah. plug and a big big idw publishing banner. that's it that's it yeah. yeah yeah well yeah i was gonna go through a few easter eggs but you know what it's far more fun for us to ask the listeners what their favorite easter eggs are on are this you sure flash. If, if you found some you know you can say them out now or do you want to leave it to the listeners ah, leave it to the listeners and we okay. can follow up with our favorites in the same thread so hit us up on the socials baby perfect you you've set it up nicely but yeah there are a few it's definitely like a where's wally splash page yeah great it's page wonderful great page. but also an artist's nightmare i'm sure yeah like you mentioned <laughs> earlier i mean I, I might hit up sl gallant and kind of ask him how much pain it was 
when Larry sent that through or how much he embellished on what Larry wanted from that page. I love how it goes from like sharp focus in the foreground to like a kind of a, a morning sunlight glow in the background. It's a great kind yeah. of fading of the color, which is such a nice touch. Yeah, that's really, good. Really, really good. Yeah. yeah, really, really nice on that. Yeah, the guys are just kind of meandering around. They think they've, they're following, Snake Eyes is following someone and Scarlet's getting harassed by a guy in an Optimus Prime suit. So it's all <laughs> it's all just kind of by the numbers-ish, let's track down the guy. And this particular, before we jump into the Baroness Destro, they they kind of suss out the guy because the man behind the scenes, mainframe, solves the mystery because he's kind of used his computing skills, if you will, to the... Uh, these are what he actually says is these are transition points where the costume hinges and collapses if we use these points to divide the suit pieces into integral elements we can rearrange them until we see some possible permutations in which case they can find out who it is they're after oh damn but it's almost too late it seems like this guy's about to take out snake eyes that's right that's right and that's where that particular scene ends but we do also in the middle of that we do get some destro and baroness conversations back in his castle and that's you know that's a nice little interlude i thought yeah yeah fascinating that he's got that secret passage behind the main fireplace yes and it's i thought citizen that citizen kane well citizen kaney but i also thought it was a bit resident evilly because i'm playing that game where you've got puzzles and secret trapdoors and you push a bookcase and go down you know a secret passage you know it, that was res- resident evilly for me sweet well we spoke about crossovers last week with a potential <laughs> crossover between a zombie apocalypse story and gi joe setting it in castle destro or maybe even the silent castle would be a no-brainer man yeah man yeah a lot want to see Jeez. that transforming silent castle well actually both castles are transformers aren't they yes yes very Mm. good very good but there's a bit of intrigue here you know he he kind of drops a little nugget he says to the baroness you're only the second person not of the direct destro line to see this and she says who was the first he says a pretender to the throne of england who met an untimely end in the tower of london so he's kind of dropping historical nuggets and then Mm. you know he's talking about his uh, Crichton, or I call it the Krypton. I'm going to keep calling it Krypton <laughs> just because I can. The the Crichton Krypton trigger. Um, That's your is... show, baby. <laughs> no, it's our show. Which um, oh yeah, someone had kind of purloined it from his from his Mars factory, and then there's intrigue about who it was that that got hold of this. I love this. Yeah. I honestly thought that Larry, in his famous style of like don't look back kind of storytelling, like fly by the seat of your pants, don't know what's happening on page 23 till you get to page 22, that he would have forgotten about Darklon. Yeah. But he didn't. He's drawing Darklon back into the story, and this is what he was up to. Yeah. This is why Destro is so peeved. It's because yep. he underestimated his distant cousin, who had actually, in the shadows, managed to secure this Crichton from Destro's like most high secret highly secured facilities so badass well done yeah. hats off to larry for like yeah man i did not see that coming yeah me neither well and, done so you know, when you get that reveal of darklon at the end you know it's quality because he's still in gi joe incarceration and yeah. you know he's got some interesting information to dole out to the joes so yeah Fantastic, good stuff man i have a, a personal favorite panel and that deals with uh, Snake Eyes checking in his Uzi at Comic Con. 
Right, yes. Yeah, he's painted the tip with orange spray paint. <laughs> okay. Great touch that. Because, you know, uh, you want to make sure um, no one can mistake it for a real weapon. Uh, <laughs> the joke's on you because it is a real Uzi. Um, but the security guard is a veteran as well with combat injuries. He's lost his legs. Yes, yes. Yeah, man. Strong panel, a, emotional a, panel. Very emotional. It seems almost like Scarlet is, is kind of choked up a little bit. And Stalker is uh, comforting her. Yeah. Which... <sighs> It's nice touch to make the woman more emotional at that point, but it seems a bit out of character for Scarlet to to not have a stronger stomach for, yeah. for that kind of reveal. You know, like, I'm pretty sure she's been around a lot of veterans and seen a lot of combat injuries in her day. Yeah, she's seen you know. Snake Eye's face on a daily basis, so, I mean, mm. yeah. But, you know, maybe she's caught up in emotion and even, even Scarlet can't, can't help but... Betray her feminine uh, emotional state at that point. I don't know, whatever. Yes, <laughs> trying, yeah. to, trying to not sound like a chauvinist, but... Dig that hole. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, Steve. Um, what is amusing, though, always got to find the funny in, in, the, in the somber, is that no one's interested in checking exactly how sharp Snake Eyes' sword is. Yes. I mean, if you're talking about lethal weapons, buddy, that thing, that's 100 forged folded steel on a that's Hashi it. cut... Cut through blue ninja steel. <laughs> That's it. Game over if that gets you. So interesting. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed these two issues, to be honest. Yeah, I enjoyed the first more than the second, but the, they had a lot of fun with the second issue. And it, it, it feels like a, a fresh start, which is fun. And clearly a lot of poking fun at other comic book publishers. You know, there, there's some gags at everyone else's expense. Yes. Um, yeah. Going to leave that for the listeners as well. If anyone wants to point out it's little Easter eggs, yes, I'm going to point do. out that there's another podcast which is referenced in this uh, issue, is which is Star Joe's. Yeah, okay, sort of a GI Joe and Star Wars hybrid podcast. Yeah, they're still going, I believe. Really? Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. I enjoy checking with them from time to time. What's your uh, What's your yo joeage across these two issues? I never know when you're going to ask me or not. So you lead, Chief. Well, this is. It's it's difficult because the waters are getting more muddied now in terms of... I felt in the Marvel run you could definitely break the stories down. Even though there were, there were continuing arcs, it was possible to break them down into dedicated chunks, whether it be one issue, two issues, six, whatever. But here it's getting a little bit more tricky. We probably could go back if we wanted to and make a kind of Blue Ninja introduction arc and rank that overall. So, I mean, I don't know. Do, do you feel it's fair to rank these two issues with one number or not? Ooh, I don't know, Chief. You've got your spreadsheet to think about. Me, I'm <laughs> thinking the ranking starts becoming a little bit more arbitrary. But it's it suffices it to say that I, I enjoy the wrapping up of the, the Blue Ninja saga. Yes, uh, yeah. And I would rate that issue more highly than the, the issue that comes afterwards. But that's just because we don't know where we're going just yet. I think maybe we'll go back offline, me and you, and we'll look at the Blue Ninja saga and we'll give that an overall ranking and then see where we go from there. Chiefy Two Shoes, the man with the plan. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, we've talked comics. Now I'd like to talk toys. And I think you're the man for the job. Steve talks about toys, ho ho. Steve talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. Steve talks about toys. 
Am I the man for the job, Chief? Because this is an action figure that you, in fact, have to hand, you lucky bastard. Yes, I do. Here I am, stuck in Australia, millions of miles away from my toy collection. I miss my version 1 Destro from 1983. Yep. What a gorgeous action figure. This action figure is pure class. It's tasteful. It has an incredible feature or two. And has a long lineage of other action figures, which we may or may not get into. But just at a blush... How much do you love your Destro? Yes, you sent me some images prior to the show starting of multiple versions of Destro action figures. And I think the version one is actually the only one I like. Okay. Well, not for no good reason, man. I do like the version two, but I think the head looks a little bit funky. But for me, the one is is a classic. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. You don't beat a classic. There have been various remixes on a classic. Um, most recently, I would say, and you can have to flick to the last picture I sent okay, you. Okay, let me get it but, up. Yep. Yeah, version 30 from 2014. What okay. do you think of that guy? Okay, this is the guy. He comes with a case. Is that right? Yes, correct. Uh, the face looks a little bit too angular and mean, and the collar uh. looks a little bit too big. But I kind of like what they're trying to do, but I just think the execution's a bit off. I think they're trying to hybrid the media appearances with the action figure in that version. Try and make it the best of both. But if we dial the clocks back to 1983 and the purity of that first Destro, he had a very inert face. Like, the action figure's face, you could... It, it, it perhaps was unclear in the designer's mind what the head was. Is this a robot head? Is this a metal mask? It has a very stiff and unemotional expression. Expressionless, blank expression. It's, it's kind of sympathetic in the same sense that when Anthony Daniels first saw the C-3PO head, that's what made him fall in love with the character because you can right. imprint a wide range of emotions on this face. Yeah. I think the same is true of Destro. And then the designer's minds, this is Ron Rudat from way back, he was definitely channeling that um, story of the man in the iron mask, that this was almost a punishment, that Destro then turned into a traditional uh, affectation and something that he would always wear as his battle mask, as kind of a uh, defiance to the, the, the suffering that his family line has had up to that point. Because, I mean, the McCullens, as it turns out, were always involved in arms trade, but then were punished uh, for selling weapons to both sides and made to wear this this iron mask. Yeah. I mean, I'm jumping all over the map. I'm not going to go as far as reading the, the file card this much. I mean, it, it's pretty much ingrained in all the serious uh, G.I. Joe collectors, so it's a classic. Go and read it for yourselves. But Destro, in fact, had an interesting alternate codename of Warmaster. Right. Uh, this was his kind of a prototype file name or code name. But I think Hasbro was shy of having the word war printed on their action figure packaging, which is a okay. fun fact. It's like they can manufacture realistic looking firearms and, and toys that have a, a play pattern that involve, you know, good guys shooting at bad guys. But you print war on the file card and all of a sudden red flags go up. I guess that was Hasbro's social responsibility in the 80s. But I think we can all agree the word Destro or the name Destro is a very, very elegant 
code name. Yeah, strong. Yeah, it isn't actually a word. It's like destroy, but then shortened in a one word, two syllables, lovely. The action figure itself, you said it, man. You can't beat a classic. Did you know that the classic Destro is a particularly tall figure? He's even taller than Lady J. Okay, did not know that. (laughs) Yeah, man. Let's speak a bit about his appearance. Black plastic, a little bit of flesh tone, the gloved hands with the gauntlets. The one side has two wrist rockets. The other side has what I can only call a sort of a wrist computer. It looks like a, a Lego block, sort of uh, six studs on it. I suppose that would be used to remote activate weapon systems. Um, yep. In the comic books, that was often depicted showing uh, having grenades stuck to it, but the toy stopped short of that. He's got a little computer device on his shoulder, uh, a bandolier kind of strap that would then be the the plausible way in which he would mount his backpack accessory. He's got a, a holster that's empty and painted up in red, which is fantastic because it then ties into his other accessory piece, which is the best pistol the line has ever produced in my okay. mind. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's got all the right trappings. It's like a Mauser German gun, but then... Also, equal parts Han Solo blaster. Did you catch that? Yeah, I do catch that. Yeah, definitely. Nice piece. Very finely molded. And, you know, you make, it makes you wonder, like, if this guy is a weapons dealer, his personal weapon speaks volumes. Like, he is hmm. going to equip himself with the best tech money can buy or money can't buy, in fact. Like, he's got the cutting edge stuff. So that pistol has always been very premium in my eyes as a result. The backpack... Buddy, what a fantastic piece and what an innovation. I think it was the first accessory piece to have that feature. It would then be followed by Zartan's backpack, Lifeline's case, uh, Bullhorn's case. This idea of a single plastic piece that had a hinge to it, which could then clasp together and be sort of flush on one hand and then open up to reveal hidden details. I think from memory, he has a knife, he has grenades, he has a pistol in there, he has magazines, and then he's got a... An assault rifle, which bears a resemblance to an M4 or an M16, kind of shrunk down and in three different pieces. So the stock, the receiver, and the barrel are all separated. So, I mean, it was always tantalizing to us that you could never piece it together. Yeah. But then, hey man, we get our wish, because in that uh, that version 30 that I shared with you, he actually has a collapsible rifle in his case. Oh, right. Yeah, of course he does. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. You've yeah. got to give points to that. Yeah, that looks good. It does. Technically, very good. Unfortunately, in execution, it's kind of flimsy. You know, to get things to lock together at that scale is yeah. a, a bit of a pipe dream. So it's a nice accessory to possess in terms of its function. But uh, actually making the action figure hold it becomes a little bit finickety. One other version that I want to bring our attention to just before we go. I'm not going to mention Pimp Daddy Destro. <laughs> Wait a minute, which one's Pimp am- Daddy Destro, the third one? I'm not going to mention him, but well, you're going to make me mention him. No, listen, listen, listen. I actually, I've never seen this one before you sent the picture. Something about this is appealing to me. Are we talking about the Destro with the grey body-hugging top? He's, he's got like a black top, top grey gloves kind of a magenta red trousers silver medallion oh yes yeah so that would be version gosh uh, it's it's i shouldn't like that at all but something about i don't necessarily like the figure i necessarily but the kind of makeup of that 
just looks so laughable that I kind of like it. <laughs> I kind of like That'll it. That'll be version 10 from 2003. Right. Yeah. Kind of makes him look a bit more street. A bit yeah. more like a thug. Yeah. Like, yeah. You could imagine that same outfit rolling around in the 70s, like Destro trying to make a name for himself in the, the global arms yeah. uh, scene. I think yes. that's why I like it. I can imagine this guy throwing some moves down at Studio 54. <laughs> Perfect. I bet the, the blingy um, mask would, would go down a treat there. Yeah. So the other version that I wanted to draw our attention to was uh, Moneybags Destro, which is Destro version number, version 27 from 2011. So he also has a a case accessory. This time comes with removable cash money, baby. Yeah, I see it. Very desirable figure. The POC line was a very desirable run of figures, and this is a standout in that. It's kind of a heavy-armed... Uh, Destro that kind yeah. of fits in well with the very Warhammer-esque aesthetic that his Iron Grenadiers had in the same line. Nice figure, of course. And then there's version 25, which is actually the Resolute Destro. Uh, this is the the picture I sent you, which has two um, Destros side by side with an alternate arm. A robot arm. Okay. So the arm is an interchangeable piece, and adds fuel to the fire that maybe Destro is part man, part machine. Hmm. Interesting. This is an ambiguity which has raged, but has kind of been forgotten about for a long time. There's an Easter egg in Destro's first cartoon appearance. Right. Where he puts his hand through a scanner to gain access to the Cobra Citadel. And for a split second, you see an X-ray view of his hand, and it is clearly... A robot hand. There's not a human skeleton in there. Hmm. Okay, intrigue. Very interesting. At that stage, I guess even the cartoon writers were unsure about what they were dealing with when they were talking about Destro. Is this guy a cyborg? Is this guy a man in a mask? It's unclear. The Action Force file card makes it very clear. (laughs) Because in his first iteration in the UK, he was sold as Red Jackal. Yes. And... (laughs) <laughs> the blurb, I mean, it's laughable because his um, <laughs> primary military specialty is hand-to-hand combat. His secondary military specialty is high-speed chase driving. I guess that's because he came with the hyena, which is the, the UK uh, answer to the his tank. Yep. But the blurb says that he suffered a severe crash, which Action Force doctors said he wouldn't survive. But Iron Blood scientists use unknown technology to rebuild him. Bionic head and hands with electronic vault facility make even hand handshaking deadly mm. he drives a hyena with rotating turret and elevating twin guns bionic vision makes jackal the best driver in the enemy so at least as far as red jackal's concerned they they solved the debate he does indeed have yeah. robotic hands this mother's the bionic man jeepers big time i yeah. think we've forgotten about those little tidbits of information yeah. but that's why s jubs is here baby that's it and the more i look at the the i don't know if it's version two in the gold helmet and the black with the red cape but the more i look at that the more i actually i think i do like that one as well now i've changed my mind 180 yeah 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 classy i like the fact that the head is slightly enlarged i mean the heads are large on the version one and the version two in the 90s they really shrunk the head down to make it almost like it was form fitting over his face right i like that a lot less and it's made farcical by the fact that in the 90s, the physiques were swelling up. So Destro was looking yeah. more and more buff, but his head became 
pin-headed. Yeah. If you take that that gold-headed red capes Destro, he looks much better when he's flanked by Iron Grenadiers than obviously the silver-headed Destro. So it's almost like they were made to go together. There you go. There you go. Mm. Good stuff. I feel educated, even on a character that you know I I knew quite a bit about from the comics but as always from an action figure slash cartoon point of view i am a bit naive and that's why you're here to educate me and maybe not the masses but you know who cares about them no we care about them of course we do but all i all i care about really is you know what you can tell me and uh once again ding 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 thumbs up but we, oh, we've but i love to get your opinion man like out of 10 what, what would you give the original figure well you know if you do we ever want to give 10s? I was going to say a 9, but yes. you know, I, I'm probably going to give it a 10, I guess. Four marks. Me too. Perfection. Love it. Yeah. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> and uh, in one of the videos, I, we haven't, I haven't actually posted this. S-Jubs has seen a behind-the-scenes version, but I actually had Destro being crashed into by a helicopter. Fortunately, all his joints survived. But um, mm. I'll see if I can post that up eventually when I get the time. I hope that pretty, pretty chrome survived because that is really the jewel in the crown, man. Yeah, I can't did. glow about that enough. It it's did. just such a striking choice. Yep. You know, Kirk Bozigian talks about he was faced with the option of either just having a plastic molded head or a painted silver head, but nothing pops like chrome. And particularly if you're playing with him in the sunlight, oh, it's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. Makes you wonder, why did they ever not chrome Destro's head? Yeah. Because yeah. later versions, they, they play with it. Sometimes it's chromed, sometimes it's painted. It should okay. always be chrome. Yeah. I did find that his head is looser than any other figure's head. Like, yeah. in terms of the swivel, it's got a lot mm. more play to it. But uh, maybe it's, it's, it's obviously a wider base that it's attached to, I guess. I don't yeah, know. maybe less friction because they needed a sort of a slightly thinner... You know, they, they, they didn't know if they were going to chrome the whole thing. And if they chromed the joint, it would then add thickness to the joint and then for, therefore make it sticky. I don't know, that's just my theory. Yeah, yeah maybe. I just spat that out now. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm yeah. taking that on board. That's, that's fact now. That's fact. Um, <laughs> listen, we've been, uh, we've been educated, and now it's time to confuse, which can only mean it's time for, well, four right Russians. It can only mean it's time for Commonwealth Colloquialisms, a.k.a. Over Egg in the Pudding. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're gonna over egg that pudding. Ain't got no criticisms We got some commonwealth colloquialisms Keeping it alcoholic, uh, (laughs) would you know what a schooner is? A schooner? Now, the only term of schooner I know is from the movie Mallrats where uh, the guy, the fat dude, is looking at the, the magic eye picture and some little kid comes up and he says, Oh, look, it's a schooner. And he says, no, you dick, it's a sailboat. And he says, no, a schooner is a sailboat. So schooner for me is a sailboat, but I'm guessing that is not what you're, what you're referencing. Yeah, in the world of drinking here in Oz, if you order a schooner, it's what I would call a lady's point. So, so instead of 500 mils or thereabouts, it's closer to 330. So a small drink. Yeah, a, a, sm- well, a small uh, pint of lager. Right. Which is a contradiction in terms because a pint should be a pint should be a pint. Yes. But like a, a lady's pint 
would be a schooner. Okay, interesting. It took me a while to cotton onto that fact. When right. I was at a bar asking for a pint and they offered me a schooner or a regular pint, I was like, uh, well, is there any other kind of pint? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In the UK, the, I guess a kind, there's no real equivalent in terms of size or metric, but if you asked for a lager top in the UK... Um, this is not my colloquialism, but I, I'm dropping two in for you this week. A lager top. Bam! What would that be? Uh, I guess lager with a shot of lime, maybe? Uh, yeah, n- normally lemonade. So you'd you'd have Lemon- a pint. Oh, it's- you'd have a pint, okay. but it'd kind of stop like 50 mils from the, the top of the pint, and then the top of it would be lemonade. What is that called? That's got a name. A spritzer? No, it's, it's almost a, like a shandy. A shandy. Yeah. That's it. Shandy. Yep. Shandy. So it's shandy. almost like a watered, slightly watered down pint, which would kind of be the equivalent, I guess. No, good one. I like that. I like that schooner. Uh, my one is, and again, I think you'll get this, and I'm worried that this is not a colloquialism at all, but it's just commonplace chat around the globe. But if I said uh, I'm going for a kip, what would I be going for? A nap. Come yeah. on, buddy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> is that worldwide? Uh, I I think it's Commonwealth. Uh, it is common to the Commonwealth. Okay, that's fine then. That fits the bill. That I have fits the bill. I have. It does. It does. It does. Okay. okay. You right. win. Well done. A kip. Yeah. Very okay. good. Bacon kips. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, listen, there'll be more of that jazz next week. Chief will try harder as always. And Steve has not given me any homework yet, which is always a delight to my ears. But uh, right now, we want to go to the last segment, which is... Listeners answer a question. Listeners answer a question. Posed by us, just for you, when listeners answer a question. Holy smokes. I think I actually, I think I actually remembered it word for word from what it should be there. Bravo, brother, bravo. Um, but before... Uh, oh, by the way, in South Africa, if you took a nap, it would be a, a tip. A tip. <laughs> okay. Tip. All right, I like yeah, it. Yeah. I like it. Um, mm. Listen... I'll save my actual South African one for later, because you didn't want it. Oh, shit, the bed. Yes, you're right. Forgot. You you bookend it. You go uh, Australian and South African. Do you want to do it now? Uh, no worries, mate. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save it for next week. All right, fine. You can double drop it next week. That's, that's, that's chief trying to move it along <laughs> listen before we before we jump into listeners answer the question which this week was what informs your decision on your favorite joe characters we had a little tete-a-tete a little competition last week because you said that you thought 50 percent of listeners have never read an idw real american hero issue and i took the I took the 50% and unders, effectively. Mm. So let's have a look at the statistics. From Twitter, we had 41 votes. 32% said they had never read a single issue. 41% said they have kept current with the run. And 27% said they have started reading recently. So that equates to 68% have read an issue. 32% have not. So that's siding... (laughs) with the chief dog uh we had facebook as well facebook we had 23 votes yep nine of which the majority kept current or the, sorry the biggest proportion kept current eight started recently and six have never read and continue to never read idw okay okay and then jumping over to insta i think we had a few here 
someone we d- I didn't put six a poll respondents. Up. Okay, you've got it. Yeah. Sta- you've got the stats. You go ahead, my friend. Well, I mean, six respondents, and they all said they are keeping currents with IDW. Okay, so effectively, that means I knew the listenership better than you. Is that what you're saying? Effectively, that means, <laughs> according to the polls, you are out in front, Chief. So I will concede that. Okay. Yay! Yes, yes. But then I have to make reference to the fact that you have 874 Instagram followers. What do you mean, you? This is us. We have. We, we have <laughs> 874 Instagram followers, 615 Twitter followers, and within the closed Talking Joe group on Facebook, there are 89 members. So you're saying the response so, was low? The respondents make up a very small percentage of what I consider to be the listenership of Talking Joe. Ah, okay. So you're ah. you're twisting this bad boy around, saying <laughs> saying that potentially all all those others that listen now. I'm very wary of social media figures. So although we've got you know Inflating. those those followers across Insta and Twitter. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent sure that not all of those listen to the show. Then would you say that perhaps within the closed Talking Joe Facebook group, the 89 people that have requested to join and are currently card carrying members, that the majority of them keep current with this podcast? I think they must do because otherwise, why would they have heard about the show? Hmm. Other than then it kind of makes the 23 voters that we got on Facebook uh, the minority of our listenership. Anyway, Chief, I'm sweating the numbers. <laughs> like I said, we put it to a vote. I came out, as the numbers turned out, behind. So I eat humble pie. Okay. And whatever stakes you had nominated, which <laughs> I don't even think you you know what you, you, you put up as stakes. Yeah. Um, I will gladly perform that, that, that activity. Okay. okay. What is it? Well, I, tell, I think I did mention to you offline, I'd like for you on the G.I. Joe Berg pod to cover a potentially under-the-radar Joe product. So, potentially, G.I. Joe Micro Machines could be one okay. that, that you could cover. I was about to call you out for being too vague, but G.I. Joe Micro Machines, yeah, man. They slapped Cobra logos on some Micro Machine military stuff. Once upon a time. Okay. I'll uh, devote a section to that. Done and done. All right, good man, good man. Um, Now on to the meat, the meat in the sandwich for this particular segment. So, again, we asked the listeners, what kind of informs your main decision on, on whether you like a character or not? Is it the comics, the cartoon, or the action figures, and what really ties into what makes you like a character yeah yeah in a nutshell i think it skews mainly towards the toys except for gary v who bucks the trend ranking toys third but it's interesting that that people are quite split in terms of cartoon versus versus comic books i think the cartoon was more immediate uh so if you were growing up at the time and the cartoon was on man that was definitely your first port of call what a masterstroke to have 80s tunes that supported toy lines. Yeah. Because that just yeah. put it into every household, particularly in America. But, I mean, the trickle was real. Uh, I think South Africa got the cartoons. I, I was too young to catch them at the time. Okay. So the cartoons, as a result, had very little impact on me. Uh, 
There's yeah. a fourth option that we didn't include, and I, it's to my to my own chagrin, but I, I think I would have been the only one who nominated it. Go on. And that would have been video games. Wow. Okay, yeah, yeah. I had the G.I. Joe action figures, but no real understanding of how to play with them until my friend and I sunk endless hours into the the Nintendo game. Right. Have you ever played it, Chief? I've not played it, no. Okay. Well, it's... It's definitely worth a spin, man. And particularly if you came on to Joe a little bit late, like I did, because the kind of 88, 89, 90 action figures really get a lot of exposure in that game. It's fun to like pick out which sprite is what baddie. Okay. Yeah, so it's good from a, like, a toy collector's point of view. I definitely. had a G.I. Joe game on the Atari 2600. Oh, which would have, kicking it old Which school, would have probably baby. predated the Nintendo so yeah i cannot time. all i can remember is there was a big kind of cobra head and it was shooting down stuff at my guys or i really can't remember yeah. much about it other than i had and played the game but pretty rudimentary stuff yeah. i can't imagine it was too fun yeah <laughs> but what else did we have to do back then yes yeah, well, what am i it. talking about i wasn't even a fetus <laughs> um i just i do want to give a quick shout out before we delve a little bit more deeper um this is probably the best response we've had to any question we've posed we had a fantastic response from all forms of the social media so thanks to everyone i don't think we've got the the time or ability to name check everyone but you know thanks a lot to everyone who did respond because it was fascinating reading some of the responses um in particular i just want to call out uh kerouac who has done a talking joe commission piece for us before he did a, a road pig smashing up the talking joe logo in an homage to walt simonson's thor and i'll post this up again we've got i've got quite a few talking joe promo pieces and there might be a new one in the works for chief and steve which steve doesn't know about yet uh, be on the lookout there steve and listeners but anyway uh, back to the point kerouac says uh, interestingly um how the figure looked i had my own canon that didn't even follow the cartoon snake eyes talked <laughs> zartan would work for both sides Crockmaster took over cobra if a figure looked cool he was on top 86 general hawk peeled potatoes in my army amazing way Brilliant, brilliant, fantastic. Love that. Oh, speaking of uh, uh, commissioned artwork, then maybe that can go on our file cards, man, because Phil wants to know where the Chief and S-Jubs' file cards are, man. <laughs> it's like, we better whip that up. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I tell you what, you're, you're, the, um, you're the artistic guy. I'll supply you with loads <laughs> of Chief info and you can whip up a file card for me. No, mate, you're not getting out of it that easy. You've got to <laughs> come up with your own prose. You've got to fit that cadence. You All know, right, that, fine. I will... file card I'll, I'll write. I'll write the text for my file card. You write the text for your file card, and we'll see We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Homework for the Chief. There you go. Of course. We couldn't Finally. go an episode that go by without homework for the Chief, so we got some. Brilliant. But, yeah, mm. great responses. There were obviously a few that said comics first, but like you said, the majority were figures, so... They're obviously except on Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter we had uh, like the way I kind of interpreted the stats because this wasn't a poll. I kind of had to get creative. Twitter seven people said that the comic was on top as yeah. their first consideration. Uh, five for the toys, five for the cartoons. Um, Facebook was pretty even keel. Toys were six people, and comics were six. Cartoons coming in third with four. And Instagram we had a clear victory. Toys was on top by eleven respondents. Then tunes by five and comics by four people. 
Yeah, interesting. So mm. that's good because that actually kind of shows a split between the social media itself about who's who's interacting and who's doing what on which platform. So that's that's quite interesting. But yeah, nice to see that all of the categories got some votes. So people were consuming all of the things that we suggested comics cartoons and action figures and people were getting different things out of each one of them which is kind of nice to hear once again thank you to all our respondents you guys are awesome you make the show what about yourself where where does your main love for a character come from and can you personally say can you name all three categories so can you say i like this character because of the comics this one because of the figure and this one because of the tune or not jeez ah, yeah um I, i'd go one further and, and add video games and video that. games of course um, yeah <laughs> uh, the only reason i would ever own a captain gridiron action figure is because of his appearance in the gi joe ness game he was my guy i played with him primarily i think it was because he had the most powerful punch um, <laughs> his hand-to-hand combat skills were better than snake eyes yes, really yes. i think uh, he's powerful my favorite figure is purely because of his his action figure appearance and that's shockwave he has done very little in the media there were a handful of uh, comic books and he had one great splash in a, a special missions issue which the special missions issue itself was kind of middle of the road yeah but it featured shockwave which was always right by me just a great great appearance so i fell in love with him and elevated him to be my protagonist even though the character is a bit of a blank slate yep in terms of the comic book, Stalker was always head and shoulders over everyone else, even though my original Stalker action figure met his untimely demise at the hands of the the lawnmower. Oh, shit. <laughs> my dad produced these white and green um, Stalker fragments, and he was like, I'm sorry, my boy. Oh, shit. That's not well, ideal. that'll learn yet. <laughs> Don't leave your figures in the garden when it's lawnmower day. That's it. Jeez. That's it. Lesson learned. Uh, geez. So yeah, he definitely sprang out of me in the, the 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 comic books because he just he was the the moral epicenter of GI Joe. Like yes. he was the most you know he's the kind of the the soldier poets, I guess. Yeah, the philosophical guy. Yeah. Um, how about you, Chief? What? How do you rank these things? I mean, you know, and again, I don't want to harp on about this, but I was always a comic first guy. Of course. And and I don't think I've seen enough of the cartoon to ever say I liked someone because of the cartoon action figure wise. I don't know that would, it would always be if I liked someone from an action figure point of view, it would always be based on them not having many comic book appearances. So everything would stem Mm. from the comic book. I like barbecue and airtight version one figures Mm. and that's clearly because of the action figures, not because of their comic book appearances. They had some stuff in the Action Force comic, but nothing in the Real American Hero to note of. What was it that does it for you? Was it the vibrant colours, the fact that you can't pull their helmets off, so there's yeah. a, like an anonymity there? I like the faceplate on Barbecue. I think it's pretty cool. I liked his, his axe that he came with. The colours, yeah. I kind of like the design of Airtight. I know Airtight didn't necessarily fare too well on a recent episode of G.I. Joeberg, but, um, you know... Chief likes the freaks, man. Yeah, cool. I, I, like, I like that guy's design, you know, and that's not from the comic book, really. That's based on the action figure. But, yeah, so I think there are definitely... I think everyone, to be fair, everyone, even though they were ranking them in first, second, third of 
of preference. I think everyone can probably take something from every category, a figure that they liked. So that's good. I think that means that the, the franchise has done well across multiple media. It just occurred to me now that if I was to name a character that really stood out for me, thanks to the cartoon, because yeah. I, I need to show some love, even though it was a late appearance in my, my sort of fan understanding of G.I. Joe, I did get to rent the G.I. Joe the movie numerous times as a, as a young child, about four or five or six years old. And the standout character in that obviously had to be Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, I was not a wrestling aficionado. But his larger-than-life portrayal in that cartoon movie was just a standout for me. And I had a Sergeant Slaughter action figure courtesy of the Warthog vehicle. Okay. So that kind of colored the way I played with him. He was this, you know, barking orders, gruff, like, We all go home or nobody goes home, Falcon or (laughs) Mercer, whatever he says. You know, all that kind of stuff really was, was very vivid. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. It was a good, fun question, I think. I think people got involved in it and told us, you know, some personal stories about how they came to like characters. So that was cool. That was cool. And, you know, it got it got me thinking as well. When you posed that question, said, oh, let's put this question out. I was like, yeah, we're going to get much out of that. And then more I thought about it is, yeah, you know, I got something out of it as well. So thanks for that, Steve. And there might be another question for the listeners next week. I might give a question to Steve. He might give something to me. Who knows? This is an ever-evolving, always-adapting show, Talking Joe. (laughs) We love it. All all I'm waiting for is the moment in time when I use Steve up, chuck him out on the trash heap, and I get my next co-host on. So uh, that's the next milestone we're looking at. I think I've got a few more left in me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're going nowhere, pal. You do the editing, so you're going nowhere. I still function. (laughs) Love it, love it. Star Scream! <laughs> I'm looking forward to the show when we have S Jobs, Ben, and Diagnostic. Bam, hey, brother. listen, well, I'm looking for a anniversary show, whether it be the 75th episode of this, maybe the 100th, maybe the 200th issue of Real American Hero that we cover. But uh, that's the goal. We want to get all all hosts back on the show. We'll do a, a quad throwdown. The Chief, Ben... Uh, Diagnostic 80 and S-Jubs in a, in a multi-way, massive, mega-epic anniversary show. So let's make it happen. I'm afraid it's going to have to be some kind of standalone milestone issue because I can assure you uh, Ben is in the category of listenership that, uh, <laughs> that, I, <laughs> that I nominated. You know, the people that haven't read the IDW run. Bam. Yes, he is. Put he is in that category, yes. Market. Hey, listen, yeah, if we go. can find a... Is is number 200 a standalone issue? If it is, we can get him to read that issue and discuss. That's not a problem, so... It's a big battle. I don't think you need much context for it, okay. so yes, indeedy. Fine, don't done. Issue 200, that's our goal. That's going to be the anniversary special. And listeners, we may have... I don't want to preempt anything, Aren't but we gonna... may have a special bonus content dropping soon i don't want to drop too many details in case some there's some technical gremlin glitches and it doesn't come off but if it does we have a nice bonus content coming for you in the next couple of weeks oh i'm pumped chief exciting times yes yes um but with all that said and done we will see you down the road yo joe